and Vince Tracy. So, a very good day. Welcome, everybody. It's the 24th of June. It is very hot at the moment, um, but the weather does seem unpredictable because we seem to have a couple of days when it's roasting hot, um, and then you'll find further up the coast or further down the coast they've had a bad day. So, I don't know. Is it global warming? Is it uh, conjecture? What is it? We're not too sure, but we're going down to the Playa de San Juan area, which is uh, near to Alicante, and I should be able to speak with Rob uh, any second now. So, good morning to Rob Daniels, and uh, first of all, how are you, and what's your weather like? Yeah, good morning, Vince. Good morning, everybody. Oh, the weather today, <clears throat> just looking out of the window at the moment, um, out the balcony, it is hot. It is hot. And as you mentioned it today is um, a fiesta it's a public holiday in this part of the world and yeah it, it's um, it is very very hot <laughs> okay so uh, we're going to start today by looking at uh, a sad thing uh, it does need to be mentioned because basically uh, it was the death of a footballer um, he was a player that played in Spain Rob will put us in the picture who he played for and uh, what happened and obviously um, well it's a sad story Rob if you'd give us the details let's think about it right Vince well this is a story that we've uh, mentioned various times over the past few years um, but it was a footballer it was called Dalian Atkinson he was a striker um, born in 1968 he played for Ipswich Town then he played for Sheffield Wednesday and then in the 1990-91 season he moved over to Spain and he played for Real Sociedad which is the team that I support in Spain and he only played there for one season but he was because they just changed the rules at Real Sociedad and allowed foreign players to play rather than just Basque players because Athletic Bilbao were poaching all the decent players he went over with John Aldrich um, the ex-Liverpool player and uh, a Scottish guy called Kevin Richardson um, because he was so unusual I mean he was a massive he was a massive black guy he was, he was a, a, a real centre forward they gave him a nickname Will Chipper on which means the baby squid which was a, <laughs> a, a nice nickname to, to give him um, but he's, he's very well remembered um, in Spain, possibly more so than in the UK because he went on to play for Aston Villa where he played for uh, four seasons, he also played for Man City, he, he played eight games for Man City and got two goals however, at the end of his footballing career um, I, nobody's really sure what happened but his life sort of went out of control and on the 15th of August 2016 um, Dalian Atkinson was outside his father's house um, threatening to kill his father and he was covered in blood now the reason he was covered in blood is because he had a catheter in his shoulder for kidney dialysis and he pulled it out but some, a neighbour rang the police and the police patrol turned up and had no idea who he was or what he was doing there they just found this massive black man in an agitated state, covered in blood, um, and the 
police officer in charge pulled his taser out, you know, these taser guns that they used to stun people. And the first two times it didn't work. And Daily Atkinson was getting more and more agitated as the situation went on. Eventually, the third time, the taser worked, and the policeman, instead of giving it the regulation five seconds, which is supposed to stun the, the suspects and so that it can be arrested and etc etc he actually pulled this taser on Dalian Atkinson for 33 seconds and then um, went and kicked him in the head twice because there were, there were boot marks on his face when they did the autopsy now the, this, it's a very tragic situation all around Vince let's face it um, but the police officer involved is a uh, what's called Benjamin Monk. He has been found guilty of manslaughter, but cleared of murder. Now, because he, he did, he didn't, he didn't deliberately go there to kill the guy. He just, they, they reacted badly. I think uh, the police. But what, what would you do in that kind of situation if you're faced with a massive, massive bloke covered in blood, and you're just a, a patrol copper? I mean, these, these weren't special forces or anything. They were, these were just officers on patrol. However, um, at least there is an outcome, and um, this police officer has been found guilty of manslaughter, which in, in Spain it's called in, in, involuntary, homic involuntary homicide, which I think sounds better, actually, than uh, manslaughter, because manslaughter sounds quite bad, doesn't it? Well, I think you, you, hit, it, you hit the nail on the head, Rob, when you said, what would we do? Because, you know... Um, I, I used to teach judo at the police academy in Liverpool and um, I got an insight as of the training that the police officers do and I think people do forget in a general context that we are policed by consent I mean we normally um, will uh, allow the police to do their job now we've got this thing that's happened over the very very recent past where a lot of people just turn on the police and um, this particular incident, if it's a huge guy and probably very similar to what happened uh, in the George Floyd incident, I would imagine, I don't know by the way, I'm only just trying to put myself in the situation of somebody who's probably quite afraid of this guy turning on, um, on, on yourself. And I think I can understand it. I mean, nothing ever will justify it but at the same time I think if we try to understand and really empathise with two ordinary guys who probably aren't built uh, for confrontation with a really big guy it doesn't matter what the, the guy's colour is I, I just hope there was no racial intent because uh, in those days maybe it wasn't quite well we, 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 we will never know um, but all that no, do no, say, there, there, there wasn't any racial intent. I don't think Vince. I say they, these two patrol coppers turned up. The other one, the the second police officer, who's who's been charged with um, some kind of uh, GBH or something like that. She was only twenty five at the time. She's now thirty one. She they had no idea who who Daly and Atkinson was. They were just called to an incident and had to react to the situation they found themselves in. Now, it's a tragic story for everybody involved, really, isn't it? But we have, we have to report it because it's news and it's football-related. Um, 
the, the, the two coppers involved are going to have to live with that for the rest of their lives, especially the one who's been found guilty of manslaughter, because I think that is going to be a mandatory jail sentence for him. Um, I don't think they let people off for that for manslaughter, do they? So um, at, at least there's been an outcome, and Daly and Atkinson's family can maybe get a bit of I peace think, now. I think what, what also needs to be added is that, um, from what I was reading, apparently he did have mental health problems. Now, Yes, he did, yes. Yeah, he had, he had mental health problems... Well, I mean, I mean, I don't think the support that uh, football was offering at that sort of time was very, um, very good by the sound of things. I mean, obviously, um, we'll never know uh, exactly what was said and where it was said, etc. But the sad thing is um, that we do now know that, of course, things like head in the ball uh, are being linked with the likes of Alzheimer's. So there could be a lot more to what went on. I think we'll we'll end this bit by saying R.I.P. to uh, the the man concerned, uh, because obviously um, he made a lot of people happy both in Spain and for the clubs that he played for. So let's remember the good side of him, eh? Yes, indeed, Vince. I mean, he was a great player. I was fortunate enough to see him play um, three times um, when he was when he was a young man, and um, very unfortunate happening. For everybody involved, I mean, the the police officers involved again. That it, it's completely changed their lives. Um, so rest in peace, Dalian. And at least now there is some kind of end, if you like, to the story. Yeah. Um, so it, it, just to put our listeners into the picture, uh, we are certainly not having to go to the police. We're remembering the life of somebody that brought good football uh, to uh, the supporters in Spain and uh, in the UK. As we go next to another politicised uh, issue which again is a little bit more uh, right bang up to date because Hungary, of course, has just introduced a new law and um, basically um, they are stating that they don't want certain behaviours in their country, which, you know, it's almost like everybody seems to think they can impinge themselves on everybody else at the moment. But uh, because of the uh, sort of anti LGBT stance that uh, that um, Hungary is taking. Um, when Germany and uh, Hungary met in the Euros, um, there was a protest. So tell us what you know of that, please, Rob. Right, Vince. Well, um, last night, as we'll speak about later, I think about the actual match itself. But um, Germany played Hungary, and they played at the Alliance Stadium in Munich, and Hungary have just brought in new laws as you alluded to just then but the new laws in Hungary mean that um, any kind of <clears throat> excuse me homosexual or LGBT whatever they call it these days um, propaganda is not allowed for people under 18 which means that they can't teach about it in schools and things like that it's quite a controversial matter but it, the Hungarian government made this decision and what they wanted to do at the Alliance Stadium in Munich was to light up the outside of the stadium with that kind of rainbow um, colours which are supporting these LGB people. It's and the under-18... Under you UEFA denied them that. It, it's but, the under-18s, though. I've got, I've got to make sure that uh, people listening in will understand that in some respects 
um, a lot of people don't totally disagree, although the legislation in in Hungary is aimed at protecting the under-18s from being sort of, I don't know, uh, is it indoctrination, is it education? We're all a little bit up in the air with this at the moment, but that's the under-18s that the law is apparently stating is, is what they want to introduce. Exactly, Vince, that's um, exactly right. It's for under-18s, um, for these kind of things not to be promoted in, in schools, um, but that, that I say that's a the Hungarian's government decision. But the um, the Germans wanted to wanted to um, fly this. I'll put the colours around this uh, rainbow kind of colour thing around the outside of the stadium in light. But UEFA turned them down. So what actually happened is that all virtually all of the other um, football stadiums in Germany put these rainbow colour lights around their stadiums um, not the Alliance Stadium where the match was played because that was banned but they actually um, put these lights around their, their own stadiums and as the teams were coming out when the Hungarian National Anthem was being played somebody came onto the pitch with a rainbow flag and sort of waved it in the faces of all the Hungarian players um, so it is well, it, it was quite controversial. Um, I don't want to make an opinion on it one way or the other. We're just basically reporting what happened, aren't we? Well, not totally, but, Rob, um, but I think the big thing for me is it's almost like anybody who disagrees with anything the LGBT community have decided they want to, to have a go at um, or change or whatever is immediately wrong. I mean, uh, there doesn't seem to have been enough international discussion about whether maybe Hungary has got a point because uh, what, what's happening in the UK for my money isn't totally uh, acceptable as a teacher I think to have children uh, under 10 being allowed to go to special places to be told different information that their parents don't particularly want them to have um, you know I, I think that there's room for um, ideological manoeuvre for everybody and I think that there are some minority groups who are forcing the issue all the time. And I think that this is another example of football being used like it has been with the Black Lives Matter thing for other political purposes. I don't know about you. I don't want football to become that. No, I, I agree with you uh, exactly on that, Vince. But football has always been used as a vehicle, hasn't it, for... Um for all sorts of different reasons. Well, um, Hitler, of course, was very famously getting England's team to give the Nazi salute. So, you, you know, you've got to be very careful how far you go. If you're talking about other countries, they obviously must have people that have passed the legislation. So uh, let's not be too silly about this. The European Union doesn't have a God-given right to be right about everything because that's the way it seems to be going. Well, this was UEFA that um, decided that they they weren't allowed to have the lights on outside the stadium, and uh, they actually made a statement saying that um, today UEFA is proud to wear the colours of the rainbow. It is a symbol that embodies our core values. Blah 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 blah. But at the end of the day, they didn't allow Bayern Munich 
to put the lights on their stadium because it was like an overtly political statement against the Hungarians. Now, um, when we talk about the match later on, the match was really exciting. But um, the Hungarians basically fought, didn't they? They 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 um, they went for it. But um, yeah, it's, it's it's politics becoming embroiled in football, let, which let has me, always happened. Let, let me give you a very simplistic way of, of looking at what we're looking at. I used to have a really nice bomber jacket. I, I used to love it. It was white, zip front, and round the middle were the colours of the rainbow. I can't wear that now. Because it's a political statement, which is absolute nonsense. I happen to like the colours of the rainbow. I happen to like that jacket. And now I can't wear it because a group of people have decided to politicise uh, and use the colours of my jacket. So I'm going to move on. Um, yep. And uh, we'll go to senior UEFA football officials and uh, lots of other people involved in marketing of football, etc., um, can visit London uh, during the um, uh, end of the Euro 2020 and are going to be able to go into Downing Street and uh, meet all the officials, etc. And we see pictures of people who obviously are all using very little um, social distancing, etc., etc. But it seems to be once again a rule for the people at the top which doesn't seem to reflect on the rules that everybody else has to live by well that's the way that I say the situation as well Vince for anybody who doesn't know um, the way for big weeks um, they've, they've got 2,500 VIP passes into the UK so they can watch the finals of the, uh, of the Euros and they don't have to self-isolate um, as tourists, British tourists who um, go to Spain, for example, when they return, they're supposed to self-isolate for 10 days or something like that. These people are being given, like, diplomatic immunity. And it, it is just one rule for them and one, one rule for the rest of us, isn't it, basically, at the end of the day? Well, it is. I mean, I was watching um, some of the things going through on Facebook this morning. I tend to look just to see whether I'm in touch and out of touch over things, you know. Um, and it showed you a load of hooray Henrys uh, at the horse racing, no social distancing, no masks, etc. And then underneath you see the football stadium and what, what uh, people have to uh, um, now abide by. Um, it just is completely and utterly either made up on the hoof or the people with money don't give a monkeys about the rules that they make for everybody else. They don't keep them for themselves. So that's how I see it. Yes, it's. Um, I, I, I sent you a photo, I think, didn't I, of uh, two of my mates from school, Willie Coates and uh, Andy Green, who actually went down to Wembley to watch the uh, England match a couple of nights ago. And they had to go through all of the controls. Um, they were both negative, but um, but yes, the the big wigs. Um, we we saw last week, didn't we, at that uh, G7 conference they had <laughs> in Cornwall, where they're they're all having a party, a barbecue. They're all behaving like norm like you normally would, and then they put the UK back into some sort of lockdown situation until the 19th of July which 
yeah, it, 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 to me, it doesn't really make sense, Vince. But as you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not into politics, but it just doesn't make sense to me at all. Well, it makes a lot of sense to me, Rob. I think it's all about control, and I think it's all about the way these people want to change everybody. We'll go to next. Um, the, now, there's a guy that you don't know, apparently, called Nick Knowles, and he's a TV celebrity, and he obviously likes football. And so Gary Lineker was uh, obviously being a bit sarcastic about the England team. And uh, Nick Knowles said some very interesting things uh, in reply to his tweets. So let's go, first of all, to the fact that uh, Nick Knowles obviously um, was really having a go at the fact. And I think the quote that I'll give you, there were several tweets, but uh, the one that I thought was very, very good... uh, uh, name another major sport where an England team hasn't won an international title in over 55 years. If that had been the case, he was talking about the funding would have been withdrawn. And I thought that's an excellent comment. I mean, to be fair, that's exactly sums up England's football team in a nutshell. Now, uh, obviously... We'll get, you, we'll get your thoughts on what he said. <laughs> what do you think about that? Well, Vince, I've never, I've never heard of this bloke, Nick Knowles, until uh, you mentioned him yesterday. And uh, I, I looked him up on Wikipedia, and apparently he presents um, daytime TV, um, something like a DIY SOS or something like that. Yes. He, yeah, he's, he's one of these daytime TV programmes that I, I've never seen. But I think they put on in care homes, don't they, to keep the uh, residents sort of like staring at the screen. And yes, um, he, he made. I'm not on Twitter, so I don't. I, I haven't actually read what he wrote or the spat between him and Gary Lineker. Well, but, Gary Lineker um, was Gary Lineker was rather saying that you know, um, a bit sarcastically, that England didn't play that well. Um, I think it was the Scotland game in particular he was talk, talking about. But I mean. That, I think, is a valid comment from a football perspective. A football guy, he's a pundit who uh, you and I both know his pedigree and you will defend him to the hilt. And I'm going to give you another um, point of view when you defend what you thought when you saw the information that we were going to discuss. Well, uh, like I say, Vince, I'd never heard of this guy, Nick Knowles, before, but obviously he's, he's a personality in the UK at the moment on the daytime TV. Um, but Gary Lineker, his pedigree speaks for itself, let's face it. Um, he got 80 caps for England. He, he scored 48 goals. He played for Leicester City, Everton. Then he went to Barcelona. He played for Barcelona under uh, Terry Venables. Then he went on to Spurs and scored... 105 matches, 60, 67 goals at Spurs. He never got either a yellow card or a red card in his career. So when he's he's a few years older than me, but when he was a player, we used to think he was a bit of a goody two-shoes, to be honest, um, because he never got a card. But now he's one of the highest paid. Let's face it, he's, he's one of the highest paid um, TV presenters in the world. But um, you you can't doubt the fact that he's a patriot. He, he's when England play, he he really does support the team. And as you know, I, I'm not particularly 
um, patriotic except when it comes to things like football or rugby or possibly cricket when it comes to sport I will support my country to the hilt okay now um, I've, I've got yeah, to give but, you I've got you to, know, in daily life it doesn't really bother me but uh, yeah right I've got to give you another perspective because I wanted to keep this fresh Rob because we're both speaking without thinking of our personal perspectives on this Gary Lineker I thought was a very good player uh, I wasn't his biggest fan but then again um, it's as you say he's really a little bit bland then he came into TV and he was awful to start with and I, he's blossomed into quite a good presenter however many people think he's totally and utterly overpaid to discuss and tell us about what everybody can patently see on the TV screen in front of us so that's the background now Nick Knowles on the other hand who you don't know uh, I'm no big fan of Nick Knowles but I do know that his programmes are like a number of programmes that are on TV at the moment where people do nice things in society they actually go and they uh, look at uh, the gardens and the living conditions of people who maybe are less fortunate than themselves and I think these guys do some very nice things because um, you know when people look at people coming back from fighting in Afghanistan and you know the situations and the left uh, with maybe limbs missing or something like that and they've still got to get back and try and get some life uh, for the rest of their lives when these guys turn up and um, take over the properties the gardens and make them a nice future um, this is a human side of people which I really do like and I think Nick Knowles whether you know him like him or whatever has got a pedigree like that now much as I think Gary Lineker is a nice person um, he does actually make some very strange tweets he does talk about some very um, different perspectives uh, of course while he's munching his walker's crisps etc um, and I think sometimes one of the big things that I'd like to think we do with these podcasts is remember to put football in its place it's part of society society's not part of football and when Nick Knowles actually tweets that if any other England international team uh, would lose its funding if they didn't achieve any success at all in 55 years I think he's got a very valid point the, 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 the sport is riddled with money riddled with money and some people uh, some of the clubs are doing some great uh, jobs within the society and um, you know I think that has always got to be remembered and applauded um, but I was very interested to see what you said because obviously I know the guy that uh, we're talking about you don't so because this is my point just because we don't know people doesn't mean that the people we do know who we admire for something different which is playing football it doesn't make them better or worse and I'm not um, I'm, I'm not criticizing anything you say or do I'm just making a comment that all of us are guilty of this, me included. Um, you, you know, so that uh, it's just something that I picked up. I thought that's interesting. Now I'll link this with something that you've got over a Liverpool player, and this guy does some fabulous work for his own people. 
and I'm talking about Sadio Mane who comes from a very very small village and he gives and he keeps on giving and I know some of it's hype some of it's um, just news and whatever but you can't get enough of it tell us a little bit about that story please Rob Right Vince well um, Sadio Mane he's a Liverpool player isn't he so um, we do speak about him quite often um, when we're talking about football but he comes from a very small village in Senegal and I watched a documentary um, recently about him um, and it is basically people are still living in mud huts and things like that they've got no running water they have to go to a well and and all that kind of business Um, but he is putting a lot back into his own society his his father um, apparently was the Muslims and he's a practicing Muslim but his father was an imam and he didn't allow Sadio Mane as a child to actually play football because it was considered um, against the Quran or something like that. Anyway, he, he managed to make it to play for Liverpool, didn't he? And, and he's, a, he's a brilliant player when he's, when he's on form. But now what he's doing is he's putting a lot of money, a lot of the money that he earns back into his own community. Um, he's built a school oh, he's had a school built for the uh, kids from the village um, now he, he he's paid I think it's uh, £450,000 or something like that to build a new hospital um, for his village and it's one of these signs that we speak about quite often especially with the South Americans and the African players that they really appreciate what they've got um, in their footballing career and they put back into their own society um, whatever they can. I mean, look at um, Marcus Rashford, for example. I mean, he's a, he's a kid from the back streets of Manchester, isn't he? And what he did um, to raise awareness about children going hungry um, is... Well, it, it, it was... It's unforgettable, really, isn't it? I mean, that is something really positive, and he he put back in. But um, yeah, Sadio Mane is doing a lot for the the poor people in the place where he actually comes from, which I think is really really good. Oof, me too. I think it's a, oh, yeah. it's, it's a yeah, lovely yeah, it's... a lovely story, and uh, I do remember that uh, they had a picture of him going to the Liverpool bus, and I think he had an old oldish telephone with a crack in it and of course the journalists picked these things up but in a genuine yeah. sense yeah and he said when that when that when, the, when that photograph was taken or that he, he actually said well what what do i need a, 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 a the latest iphone for when there are people starving in my country or something like that yeah he's he, he's a decent person he's a, he's a decent person yeah well well done to him and uh, well done to Marcus Rashford and well done to anybody who is prepared to actually give something back in such a wonderful way. So well done. Some nice positivity there as we go to last night's games and a look back at some of the uh, fixtures that have really been 
quite enthralling. I mean, obviously, with fans back in, and again, uh, we could discuss for hours on end about the anomalies of who goes where, who flies and uh, spreads more pollution, who has face masks on, who keeps social distancing. I mean, you know, we've got all these issues swilling round. So let's go to something a little bit more interesting now. Well, is it really more interesting? Probably uh, for those that don't like football like we do, it might not be. But there were some really great games on last night. Um, we'll go to uh, the um, the group of death, which it was called. I remember when we were first looking at this group and we were all thinking who would actually come away from it. Uh, I thought Spain and, and uh, Poland and you thought Spain and Slovakia. Um, and then, of sorry, I beg your pardon, uh, France and Portugal... Uh, was what we both thought. I was thinking of the other the, the other group there for a minute. Um, but it turned out there were two absolutely enthralling games last night. Now, uh, let's do the France game first. So, what did you make of that one? Well, in Group F, um, which was France, Germany, Portugal and Hungary... Um, as you say, it was it was the group of death. It was the really difficult one that um, any anybody could have got out of, or anybody could um, go down. And last night's matches, they played. There was um, France against Portugal, and then Germany against Hungary, and they were playing at the same time as each other. Both matches ended up as a two-two draw. So it turns out that France and Germany go through automatically, and Portugal in third place um, with four points are probably going to go through as one of the um, best third place finishes in Hungary unfortunately for them are going to go out but this really went down to the wire didn't it Vince I mean um, the Hungarians went in front then Germany came back then immediately afterwards Hungary scored again about a minute after Germany had just uh, levelled the score and it, it was a fight till the end wasn't it and also um, the France and Portugal um, Cristiano Ronaldo I mean he, he's fantastic isn't he I mean he scored two penalties um, there were penalties but you've still got to keep your nerve haven't you to, and he'd uh, never scored against France in a major tournament had he not until then no 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 mm-hmm. um, it was one of his bugbears I think but if you watched the first penalty he took you can see he's he's just he's supremely confident in his own ability, um, and he knocked it in. Rob, no I'm going to get you to top. bring bring your mic a little bit closer to you to where you're speaking. That that's okay. it. Is that is that better? That's much better. Thank you. Okay. Now on the front side, um, Benzema, who hasn't played for France for various. Um, top political reasons for the last five years he scored two penalties for France as well and for his own personal confidence that will be a massive boost Um, so both matches end up as 2-2 draws but it went right down to the final minutes didn't it Vince it did um, any one of the four could have won the group and any one of the four could have gone out but as it turns out, we've got France and Germany who are through, Portugal who are probably through, and Hungary who, unfortunately for them, are out, but they put up a good fight. Well, OK, I want to go to VAR for a minute, because in the French game, there were three penalties. 
Now, the first of the penalties, I think, was when uh, the Portuguese goalkeeper came out, punched the ball, so he touched the ball, cleared the ball, and then uh, the attacker came in and he hit him on the side of his head. And they were given a penalty. Now, short of an instant amputation, what on earth would the goalkeeper do with his arm? He's hit the ball... And if the um, attacking player is coming in, there was no way that he was going to hit the attacking player first because he hit the ball first. So for my money, there was never a penalty there. Could not possibly have been a penalty. What did you think of that one? Well, no, that's a, a talking point, isn't it, Vince? Um, it was actually the, fir- the first penalty, I think, was um, it was in Portugal's favour because the French goalkeeper came out and he he hit the ball he was still in the six yard box as they used to call it the little box and as far as I was aware a goalkeeper in his in the six yard box basically had protection um, whatever happened in that in that little area the goalkeeper prevailed however the goalkeeper came out he hit the ball and he also hit um, a Portuguese player with his glove like a box, like like a boss, like a boxer would do, but um, a penalty was given. It's not um, that it was saved actually. I uh, know oh, I'm, I'm thinking about Slovakia Spain match now, but no. Um, well, look, I I, I I couldn't see that as a penalty either, Vince. But um, it was given, wasn't it? Well, there, there was a, a French player in the Portuguese box, and we all saw that his, the back of his leg was trampled on by the Portuguese player and there was never any doubt that it was a penalty and the referee didn't give it and so uh, apparently it was checked by VAR now I don't know whether or not they get uh, the, the, um, the, the guide dogs with them but these must be blind officials who are brought in blindfolded and somebody whispers in their ear don't give a penalty or do give a penalty because if everybody in the world can see somebody's leg being trampled on that has got to be a penalty just as the other one where the goalkeeper hit the ball cleared the ball and his fist on the follow through uh, can be judged to have been a penalty well realistically there were two very dodgy penalties for my money and you know as well as I do there are some very very dodgy incidents in every certain, football certain, match. Yeah. Now, what, what, what? Even, even during the match, um, the commentators were saying about the the second penalty that was given. It was more or less to make up in compensation for the fact that the goalkeeper, the, the referee, had made a bad decision in the first penalty. Now, it shouldn't be played like that, should he? The referee should be completely neutral. If he makes a bad decision, he shouldn't make another bad decision to compensate. Um, it's nonsense. Yeah, some very strange goings on. Nonsense, uh, and quite honestly, uh, I think it, what it does show you quite, quite obviously is that um, there's a world of difference between being a referee, judging a referee, and watching a referee. I think, quite honestly, it was nonsensical. Uh, so, uh, rather than prolong the debate, let me just also add in that Germany are so lucky to uh, have had the chance to go forward because quite honestly if it hadn't been uh, for really the the first 
goal being a gift to them anyway. Um, I mean, Hungary played them off the park at times, didn't they? Oh, yes, Hungary put up a really good fight. And um, I think Germany, like I say, I was, I was watching the match. I was following both the matches and also following the table. And the positions changed between the four of them throughout the whole match. Um, I I thought Germany would put up a good uh, performance as well because they, they lost the first match against France. Then they basically slaughtered Portugal. But hung, the Hungarians um, really put up a good performance. And I say, unfortunately for them, they've gone out. But, uh, oh yeah, the, both of those matches were really, really entertaining. And that's what I like about football. I like, I like to be entertained. Yeah, well, I don't mind being entertained, but I think when you look at uh, the refereeing situation, I think that, quite honestly, it was... Um, it, well, I've said enough. Let's go to something nearer home now, because Spain, um, they'd had two difficult games in which they had really deserved to win, although against Sweden it was uh, a bit touch and go. Um, so they'd had two draws, and then... Um, we were thinking, how will they perform yesterday? And of course, well, uh, they got it off to a little bit of a flyer, a little bit of a gifted goal. But after that, they certainly looked the business. They scored five goals. I'm still not convinced that they'll win this tournament, uh, but a big improvement. And um, once again, Thiago from Liverpool, who we're told is a game changer, didn't play. So, you know strange but uh, 5-0 you can't really grumble too much about that no I, I think uh, Tiago I think I think he's injured um, I'm not sure why he wasn't playing but I, th I think from what I've read that he, he's not match fit but yes um, Spain had had two disappointing draws um, previously um, against against Sweden and against uh, Poland now they needed to win yesterday Spain needed to win um, a draw wouldn't have been good enough for them so they actually came out and played now Alvaro Morata um, who was an uh, ex-Chelsea striker uh, he's now at Juventus he, had, he got a penalty um, early on in the match against Martin Dubravka who was the Newcastle United goalkeeper plays for Slovakia and the penalty was saved. But then Dubravka, the goalkeeper, made an absolute howler and somehow managed to put the ball into the back of his own net. After a corner, the ball hit the bar and it was like somebody playing volleyball, one of these volleyball shots or, or tennis where you just basically smash it. And somehow he managed to smash, smash it into the back of his own net. Well, I've got, I've got to say, in his defence, um, if the ball was coming down from a fairly well, it was coming down from high um, you do think there's a possibility that maybe he lost sight of the ball because this, the sun was particularly bright yesterday and uh, sometimes you know if I'm playing paddle or, or, or uh, you know playing well yeah playing paddle um, when the lob comes up it's very difficult you know when you look up and the sun is just behind the ball I'm going to allow that as a possibility because, um, you know, it was it was a howler otherwise, wasn't it? Oh, it was an absolute howler, Vince. I mean, the, the ball came off the bar. He didn't even need to touch it, but he, he smashed it into the back of his own net. Now, 
we often talk about things like match fixing, but I, w I wouldn't allege anything like that against uh, Dubravka. But I, th I think I could have said I could have done a better job. You could have done a better job. <clears throat> I think my, my late mother could have done a better job of, say, of keeping that ball out the net. However, once Spain had got the goal, they just went for it. Um, Laporte got a goal. Um, Pablo Sarabia got a goal. And the 21-year-old, uh, Ferran Torres, who plays for Man City, um, he also scored. Um, and it was his first touch of the ball in the match. He, he's from Valencia originally, so um, we've got like a local connection with him. But... Um, it's, I can't remember any more details to be honest because uh, everybody when Spain started scoring goals everybody where I was watching it was just starting going crazy about it yeah it, was, um, it, it brought back the feelings of of when Spain won the Euros and won the World Cup and, and that kind of thing which I think is good for Spain because they're all young players now and they've got that reputation to live up to and the first couple of matches they didn't do anything really and in that match yesterday against Slovakia, um, they absolutely wiped the floor with them. And it should give the young Spanish players a lot of incentive. It, it proves that they can do it. Whether they'll win or not, I don't want to say. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't like to say. I wouldn't like to predict. Um, we've got Germany next match, haven't we? So that should be a good one. OK, well, let's um, go to the England team. Um, I'll just remind you, Mike, uh, if you can, please, Rob, just to remember that particular mic you're using, you have to go straight ahead. <laughs> you know, it's OK for the phone ladies because they're talking straight into that mic. Um, for us, we, we either have to go unidirectional, unfortunately. Um, Rob, looking at the England team, um, I, like against Scotland... Um, well, look at this, put it this way. There was a man painting the wall over the road and I saw more of that than I did of the England game because it was so boring. Um, I thought Scotland even looked more like um, that they wanted to win than England did. I still don't, I'm not, I'm not convinced. They've got too much money. They're in the comfort zone. Although I thought, uh, was it Saka that, that uh, had a great game, didn't he? Um, you know, the, the fullback from Arsenal, I thought was absolutely fantastic. And, um, you know, when Graylish was about, there was always the chance of something happening. Um, but again, you know, I think Gareth plays it just a little bit too safe. Um, if you've got flair players, let them flair. You've, you've, you've not, you know, you don't clip the wings of a bird that can fly, do you? I mean, it's that's to me what's going on and um, I mean whilst this tournament is being played and you've got ridiculous um, statements in the press about bids for Harry Kane and for the th for, for three players I think Sterling La um, Laporte was the other one and um, Ho uh, Jesus I think was the other one three players and the way Kane's been performing, I mean, to be honest with you, I think Kane would be very lucky to game for, get a game for Tramier Rovers the way he's been playing. I know he's a great player and a good striker when we get when, when he does get playing, um, but to to be in the same team at the same tournament and um, playing the way Sterling at least scores a goal, um, that would get on my nerves if I was Sterling. I'd be a little bit cheesed off with looking at thinking that um, the papers are saying I'm only worth a third of Kane what do you think well yes Harry Kane has been off form hasn't he I mean he's, he's missed some 
sitters um, during these Euros where you would expect him normally to hit the back of the net he just hasn't he just hasn't been able to now why that is I really don't know it might be the fact that he's under so much pressure because there's all this all these rumours about him going to Man City for example and for a massive amount of money um, but he's been off form he looks very mediocre doesn't he but you mentioned uh, Bukayo Saka he's only 19 um, he, that, I think that was his first cap for England and he played really really well um, so there's some young up and coming players and well, Harry Kane is still should be at the peak of his career but why isn't he hitting the back of the net let's hope he gets a couple in against Germany at least yeah, well, of course, we bring back some uh, great memories, great traditions. And Nick Knowles, who reckons that uh, England should have had their funding stopped uh, 55 years without an international trophy. And I think he's got a good point there, actually. It's about time they stopped fannying about. You either, if you've got for Fleur players, play with Fleur. You don't see... I mean, when you've looked at these other teams in the tournament, I think in various teams, and uh, Italy would be one that springs to mind, Belgium, uh, the Netherlands, um, you know, they always look like they're going to come up with a, a goal feast. Portugal, um, although they didn't do so well against Germany, I mean, you've got to sort of look back and say, well, hang on... Um, you know, whereas you can see that maybe Wales at least play with passion. They might not be technically as good because they've only got a few million to choose from, you know, in, in the whole country. Um, Scotland had the passion, but we don't seem to have that passion. We seem to turn up and be very stoic and phlegmatic. What do you think? Well, yes, I, I, I've been saying this for years now, Vince, as you have as well. The The England players when they play for England they don't seem to have any passion do they? they they seem to be there more or less out of obligation um, and they don't have that that spirit in them like as, as you mentioned the Wales team Wales have not got um, a, a large population and they so therefore they don't really have all, all that many people to choose from but when they go out and play they play with passion don't they and so did the Scottish. Um, I think it was a boring match to watch, but to to get England a nil-nil draw at Wembley for the Scots, that was more or less like a victory because they go out and play with passion, as do the other teams. Italy, for example, um, Belgium, France, Germany, more or less all of them actually go out and play with passion for their country. But it seems like the English players are just there because they've got to be there they don't seem to be really um, passionate about playing for their country which um, I think is quite sad but it's a it's a reflection of how football is these days in the UK okay but remember what you've just said you see that's really what Nick Knowles was saying he, you know he he de detected this um, sort of um, sarcasm that obviously uh, Gary Lineker uh, and I think he was really just playing on that I mean I don't think he was particularly having a go at Lineker I just think that um, really it, it, the whole thing niggles a lot of us um, you know it's annoying when you know there are players that should be playing better I mean Rashford didn't do anything in the last game either um, it, it just 
when you know how much money these guys earn over the course of the year and how everybody holds them in awe, they should be playing a bit better when they turn turn up for England. Well, yes, I mean, in the group stages, um, England got three in second place, but they only scored two goals, didn't they? Let's face it. Um, and at the end of the day, as we, we all know, Vince, football is about getting the ball in the back of the net. And they managed to scrape through with two goals. Um, in the next match against Germany, I'm, I'm, I'm going to support England, of course, but I can't really see them pulling it off, can you? Well, look, we'll go to the predictions because that's a good place to look at what's happened and uh, the future of the next round when, on Saturday, Wales faced Denmark. Um, how do you see that one going? Right, well, this is the first match in the uh, round of 16, isn't it, where the yep. knockout um, uh, starts. Wales are playing Denmark. They're playing it at the Johan Cruyff uh, Arena in Amsterdam. Now, the Welsh have got spirit, but Denmark getting through after what happened to them in the first match with um, Christian Eriksen going, um, get, having his heart attack and everything like that. Denmark, I was very pleased that they got through, and I think that Denmark... Um, will actually get Wales um, because like I say it's a, it's a neutral ground I think Denmark will win it 1-2 uh, OK I've written down 1-2 isn't that real we're on the we're on the same page and Italy um, on the same day play Austria um, Austria yep not a bad team but Italy looking good their second team beat Wales 1-0 um, so what do you reckon on that one? Yeah, they played they played a second team, didn't they, against Wales? But uh, they still managed to win it. I, I I think this is played at Wembley actually at, at nine o'clock on Saturday. Um, I think Italy are going to go all out. Um, I can see them winning it three three nil. Okay, I've gone three one. I'm on a biscuit. Uh, so while I'm munching away, let me get your thoughts on the Netherlands, who to me have been exciting, and the Czech Republic. They're no pushover. Luka Modric, Modric, blimey, you know. Um, Okay, what's your thoughts on that one? Sunday game. Right, well, this is uh, Sunday game. This is is played at the um, Puska Stadium in Bucharest, or Budapest. Sorry, Budapest. Um, This is up for grabs, isn't it? I think that the Netherlands team, the Holland team, they're hungry. And the Czech Republic team getting on a bit um, I, I can see Holland doing it 2-1 you never guess this I've written Netherlands 2 Czechoslovakia 1 or the Czech Republic 1 <laughs> isn't that strange ok and we haven't spoken about this so it's uh, running on the same page Belgium play Portugal Belgium looks strong Portugal up and down they've got Cristiano they've got Jota they've got um, Adam Traore they've got some great players so so Belgium what do you think will happen with this game I think this should be a really good match to be honest Vince um, Portugal has still got Pepe who used to play for the defender who used to play for Real yeah. Madrid um, I'm not sure how old he is now but I, th- I, I thought yeah, I thought he'd retired years ago but he's still playing and he's still good but the Belgians um, as we know they, they've had a national project for a generation now to build up the young, the young footballs. I mean, De Bruyne, for example. I mean, you you can't get better class than that. I think this will be a ding donger. I think it will go to extra time. 
Um, I think it'll be a draw. Um, I think it'll be a one-one draw, and then they'll go to extra time, and then we'll see who is the fittest. And I think Belgium will win it. If it goes to penalties, I think Portugal will win. But if Belgium win it in extra time, then I would put it down to Belgium. Okay, what score? One-one after ha- after full time, two-one to Belgium in extra time okay. and if it goes to penalties Portugal to win on penalties OK I've put down Belgium 2 Portugal 1 Croatia next against Spain um, I'll go first on this one I think this one will go to extra time I think it'll still be 1-1 and I think Spain will win on penalties we've got to speed up a little bit now because we've only got five minutes left so who do you think will win that one? Spain <laughs> OK score um, as you say probably extra time possibly penalties that Spain will win score on penalties penalties uh, okay penalties 3-5 okay penalties after how many goals do you think in in actual playing time yeah again Croatia have got they're quite elderly the team I I I think it'll be 2-2 Okay. Um, after full time, go to extra time, then go to penalty. France, Switzerland, I think 3 1. Yeah, I think France, that, that's exactly what I've put down, actually, Vince, is 3 1. Um, France are looking really good. They, they haven't even got into second gear yet, have they? So, yeah, nope. I can see France winning this. Might I say also that Shakiri has scored three goals and um, looking good. Nice to see him ready for next season. As we come to the old enemy, it's England playing Germany. Don't forget, it's 55 years, according to Nick Knowles. All the funding should have been taken. Um, it's a massive match for both teams. And to, to, to be honest with you, Vince, I think they'll beat us. Um, I don't like to have to say I don't like to say that, and I hope it doesn't happen. But I can see Germany beating us 2-0. 2-1 for me. Germany. To Germany. To Germany. Germany 2, England 1. Yeah. Isn't that funny? We now, both, we're on the same. Oh, oh, oh. Hopefully that won't happen, Vince, but that, that is the way that I'd see it. <laughs> OK, and to complete this round, um, on Tuesday, Sweden take on the Ukraine. I'm going to say I think Sweden will win this one 2-0. Yes, I, I think Sweden will win it as well. Um, they're playing at Amden Park in Glasgow. Um, yeah. So how the restrictions and everything are going to work for that, who knows. But, um, yeah, I, I think Sweden will win it 2-1. Okay, so we're pretty united on the scores. Um, I think there's been some really, really good games. And I have to say, I didn't take an awful great deal of interest in the build-up. I did really feel that, you know, it was um, too far away. Whereas now, having seen the games, having enjoyed the games, having suffered with the Scotland team, because I did want them to do well... Um, I mean, let's face it, who wouldn't want Rob Robinson, uh, Robertson to do well? Because he's so passionate. He's such a great player. Um, you know, and he drove that team and he really did, did a good job. So, um, tough luck on the Scots, but at least you've made the tournament. Look at what you did achieve. And uh, you didn't get a goal conceded against England at Wembley. Can't be bad. Um Yep, still not going to tell you who I think is going to win. So, have you got anybody you'd like to say that definitely they will win this tournament? 
definitely no because of the, the crossovers with uh, with matches and things like that but i think italy are looking really really good okay um yeah i i i i would well not put my money on but i would say that italy for me are looking like the best team in the competition yeah i think i've got to agree with you actually i i, I think they do look particularly good um i think Quite honestly, I'm going to be told that I'm not patriotic, I'm terrible, this, that and the other. But I think Nick Knowles has got it right. Take away the money and uh, let's see how England do then. Rob, have a great week. I'll hope to speak to you next week. Yes, Vince, well, next week. Cheers.